Uh, today we're continuing in our series called The First, and uh, uh, it's about how God gets our best, our first, gets the first part of our morning, it's the first say in every decision, the first tenth of our income, the first part of our morning, the best care for his creation. We're looking this entire year about putting God First, what does that look like? And today um, is actually one of my favorite things to talk about. I love it. We're talking about the first guy gets the first tenth of our income. And the main thing today is where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay? Uh, I want you guys to think about this number 32,400. I want everybody to get that number in your mind. 32,000. 400. Keep that in your mind. Or write that down. Write that number down because it has a lot of significance. I looked at what you could buy for $32,400. All right? Check this out. You could buy one night at the Royal Bridge Suite in, in, at Atlantis in Dubai. Now, check this out. It is a 9,900 square foot suite. The soap has gold flecks in it. Actual gold in it. So when you're washing yourself with gold, um, uh, th th there are gold commodes and uh, and everything like that. You can you could buy that. For that that's what you can get that for thirty thousand. Um, you could buy an island in Nova Scotia. There's a there's an island in Nova Scotia for sale right now for thirty two thousand um, dollars. You you could also buy one of those tiny houses. You ever seen those tiny houses that are really popular now? The tiny houses. You could buy one of those for thirty thousand. So if you had sixty, you could buy an island in Nova Scotia and put a tiny house on it um, if you wanted to. Um, you could for thirty thousand for thirty two thousand four hundred dollars. You can embark on a 57-day uh, Antarctic, Amazon, and Caribbean cruise. 57 days. Um, or even bet that this is the best. You could buy a rare sealed copy of Super Mario Brothers for Nintendo. The actual, the, the actual thing. It's sealed. It's never been opened. Uh, the original Mario, Super Mario Brothers. Um, so that's what you can do for $32,400. Now, why the, the number $32,400? Why, why, why am I talking about that? Well, here's the, here's the news. As of 2019, we don't have 2020, 2021 numbers. But as of 2019, if you made $32,400, that means you are in the top 1% of earners in the world. Yes, if you made basically $2,700 a month, then you are in the richest 1% of people in this world. Now, I, I've never viewed myself as a one percenter, okay? I never have. I, I am not definitely, in America, you have to earn more than $450,000 a year to be a, a one percenter. But worldwide, if you make $32,400, you are in the richest 1% of people in the world. Now, when Jesus looks at the earth, he doesn't look, just look at the United States, he looks at the entire of humanity. So if you are making $32,400, that's not per person, that's per household, then you are what Jesus refers to as wealthy. And all of the things that Jesus talks about in the scriptures and in the gospel about wealth applies to us. We can't say, well, that's just Jeff Bezos. That's just, uh, you know, uh, uh, Warren Buffett. We can't do that. Because when Jesus talks about the rich, he talks, he's talking about people like us, myself included. 
Okay, we have to. I just want to get that out of the way uh, to, to realize where we are, how much God has blessed us, how much God has 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 just thrown open the 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 the, the floodgates of heaven and blessed us. And when Jesus says, "To whom much is given, much is expected," He is referring to us because we've been given so much. And we need to remember that. We need to keep that in our minds when we are talking about this spiritual discipline of giving, of putting God first, giving God our best. Realizing what he has given us. Have you ever, before Sunday morning, today, viewed yourself as a one percenter? Because a person, in the average American home brings in about $60,000 a year. That's, I mean, in Nicholasville, probably a little bit less because the cost of living is a little bit less. But the, the average person makes almost, in America makes almost twice that. So we can safely say that most of us in here are one percenters. I never really thought of it that way before. Look how God has blessed us. So um, the question is, is I know so many people that I talk to, they want to put God first and everything, but they've got questions, especially about this thing called giving, about this thing called tithing. Just, we just don't get it. Why do we need to do this? Well, I'm going to try to answer the four biggest questions I get about giving and tithing. Hopefully that they will be, uh, they'll be a blessing to you and then, then uh, continue on uh, fr from there. So I want to put God first, but I have some questions. The first question is this. How much should a Christian give? If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, man, giving is in our nature. God is a giver. So how much should we give? Well, uh, Leviticus 27.30 says this. This is from the Old Testament. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. All right, in Deuteronomy 14, 22, be sure to set aside a tenth of all your fields produced each year. A tithe is not just giving. A tithe was something that is sacred in the, in, in the, uh, the, the, in the biblical times. The tithe was the first 10%. It was before everything else. You didn't pay your bills. You didn't buy your food. You, you, the tithe was the first. If, if here's your entire income, here's the first 10, the tithe was that. That is what the tithe is. It's the first, and it's the best. Okay, that's what, that's what a tithe was, all right? Uh, it's not just 10%, it's, it's the first 10%. Interestingly, interestingly enough, in the Bible, it is not called giving. Look what it says. It says it belongs to the Lord. It's not ours. It belongs to the Lord. It said it is holy to the Lord. The first tenth of what we earn belongs to the Lord. Actually, all of it belongs to the Lord, but the first tenth, it belongs to him. It is holy to him. It's not ours. We shouldn't even call it giving because I can't give something that I don't own. I can't give you something that belongs to someone else. And therefore, I cannot give some, God something that belongs to him. Can't give it. It's not called giving. It's called tithing. All right, I can return things to its rightful owner, but it's not giving. Second is holy. It is holy. It's set apart. It is special. It is sacred. That's what, God, that's what the Bible says about it. In the New Testament, however, <clears throat> it isn't as clear how much we should give. Jesus makes a veiled reference <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> to tithing in Matthew 23, 23, when he's criticizing the Pharisees. He said, you're so legalistic about giving your tithe. You should, you should do that as well as protect, uh, uh, practicing justice and mercy and love. But Jesus never directly says to tithe. What Jesus teaches us is this, is that money is the biggest competitor to God in your heart. That's what he taught us. Jesus talked more about money and how it would steal our hearts away from God than anything else. He, he spoke more about that. 
Money would be the number one competitor for God. He teaches against greed and materialism. And he says to, basically, he tells some people to give it all. So after looking at Jesus' commands in the New Testament about giving, most people prefer the much easier Old Testament uh, thing of 10%. All right? Uh, I I love C.S. Lewis's quote on this. The incomparable C.S. Lewis, because it has guided me greatly in my walk with Christ. Check this out. This is what he writes. I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I am afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc., is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we're probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they're too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditure excludes them. I love that. That is fantastic. That means that you are actually sacrificing. You're not just throwing a few bucks here and there. That's not generosity. Generosity means that we are, we are sacrificing because of our love. Right? The second question I get is why does God want us to give? After how much do we get? Why does God want us to give? Well, there's several reasons God wants us to give. First and foremost, plain and simple fact that it's all his. So we, we, we as human beings have this weird, weird concept that what we own is ours. Um, I was sitting on my back porch a couple years ago, and I was surveying my domain, my huge third of an acre backyard, creek. And I thought to myself, this is mine. This is my kingdom. And Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, how many people have owned this piece of land before you since I created it? And I thought to myself, well, probably a lot. And he said, do you think someone will own this after you're gone? Yeah. So you really don't own it. You're a temporary manager of what's mine, what God says. We human beings don't own anything. If you own anything, you can take it with you when you die. Even the wealthiest among us is going to leave everything we have to someone else who claim it is theirs, and they'll die and it'll go to someone else. Who'll claim it is theirs? And then they'll die, and the cycle repeats. We don't own anything. God owns everything. And guys, that is, uh, that is why one of the reasons, that's one of the reasons God tells us to give, because it's his anyway. All right? And we are, we are not owners. We're either faithful or unfaithful managers. That's it. You can either be a faithful manager of what's God's, Or you can be an unfaithful manager of what's God's. That's it. You don't own anything. I don't own anything. We manage it for a short time while we're here. But here's some biblical reasons that God, in in the Bible, God wants us to give. First, support the priests. Numbers 18.21 says, I give to the Levites all the tithes in Israel as their inheritance in return for the work they do while serving at the tent of meeting. As a pastor, I've I've been in ministry for 23 years now, and I've heard so many people say, always by people who are not in ministry. So many people say, pastors shouldn't take a salary from the church. They shouldn't do it. Well, they they should work a secular job, support their family. They should just minister for free. I've I've, I've heard people say that. Um, And and guys, I've done that. When we planted this church, I did that. Um, You want to know what the result of that is? The result is you don't do anything well. I, I, I didn't do my secular job well. I didn't pastor well. I was exhausted. I didn't relieve my family well. Um, I was so divided. 
Because this got my time, and this got my time, and this got my time. I wound up not doing anything well. I wound up doing everything average to bad. That's what happens. Um, uh, the, the only way pastors can do their best is if they're fully devoted to it. Plain and simple. All right, God wants his churches to be pastored by men with undistracted hearts and minds. That's why they set this system up. <clears throat> the only thing that will matter in your life in 100 years is your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that's gonna matter, okay? And so if that word is not being preached clearly by, by someone with an undistracted heart, undivided heart, we're gonna lose that. So that's why. Uh, he needs undistracted, non-exhausted people in the pulpits to get the gospel message across, okay? Like I said, I've done, I've done the bivocational thing. And like I said, it didn't do anything with excellence. Uh, second thing, and most people don't, don't realize this. <clears throat> this is the second reason God wants us to tithe, is this to enjoy. Deuteronomy 12, 6 through 7. There bring your burnt offerings and sacrifices, your tithes and special gifts, what you have vowed to give and your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks. There in the presence of the Lord your God, you and your family shall eat and shall rejoice in everything you have put your hand to, because the Lord your God has blessed you. Okay? So a huge part of the tithe back then was brought to Jerusalem, and they had a party. Most people don't realize that. So you're supposed to enjoy it? Yeah, they got to enjoy their tithe. In the same way, I want to ask you a question. How many of you all enjoy the seats you're sitting in right now? Y'all like those? You like them? How many of y'all like the fact that it's 22 degrees outside and it's warm in here? You like that? How, how many of you all enjoy uh, having lights? We, we have lights. Anybody, anybody like lights? I like lights. Uh, you enjoy having a roof over your head. What if it was raining? You guys enjoy that? Yeah? Uh, how many of y'all enjoy having a children's ministry where Jenny's so excellently teaching our children? How many of y'all enjoy having a youth ministry? Um, there, there are, are uh, you know, th these things that you tie to, you enjoy. See, I don't know if y'all know this or not, but <clears throat> the electric company doesn't say, oh, you're a church. Yeah, you get it for free. Uh, the, the, the mortgage company doesn't say, oh, you're a church. Yeah, you just have this building for free. Um, the, the, uh, the, the heating company doesn't say, hey, you're a church. Take the gas for free doesn't happen. You know, we had to buy these chairs, this microphone, the, 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 everything. We had to buy those things. And all of those things are things that you get to enjoy. Okay? You get to enjoy your tithe. Um, now, the problem is that there are those in here who are enjoying the tithes of others. They're enjoying the sacrifices of others. Uh, they're having their weight pulled by others. You're sitting in a seat and you're enjoying the, the, the warm, and you're enjoying the lights, but somebody else is pulling your weight. See, if you're enjoying the tides of others, let me in as loving a way as possible suggest that you start pulling your own weight when it comes to our church. Don't let others pull your weight. Pull your own weight. And I'm not just talking to adults. We expect so little of our kids. We expect so little of our college students. We expect so little of our, of, of our young people. You know, our young people, if they have jobs, they can do it too. Why do we have such low expectations of our children? They are learning, they're learning biology, chemistry, calculus, but we don't expect them to pull their weight when it comes to the church. Why? Why do we have such low expectations of people, especially our children? Should children be tithing? Yes, they should. And I'll tell you why in just a second. The third thing is this, 
is after, after we enjoy our tithe. The third is an acknowledgement that God owns everything. Job 41.11, God says this, Who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything under heaven belongs to me. And a tithe is, a, is, a, is an acknowledgement that God owns everything. Guys, I've been a tither since I was 19 years old. 19 years old. I've shared this story. I was working in a lumber yard. Uh, I was making six bucks an hour, 40 hours a week. Every Friday I got paid $240. And in that, uh, that Sunday, $24 went in the offering plate. I tithe. Looking back, what that did for me was reorient me to the fact that I own nothing, it's all God's. And what, 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 what tithing did for me is this, is that I stopped focusing on the $24 and I started being amazed at the 216. See guys, I got, I, I got to keep $216 of my paycheck. I got to keep that. And it was amazing because it is all his. He could have easily demanded 20%, 30%, 40%. He could have demanded 100% because it's all his and he would have done me no wrong. But he said, here, keep 216. Keep the 90%. Christians should look at God and say, God, it's all yours. How much of what's yours do you want from me today? You want 10%, you want 20%, you want 90%, you want 100%? It's all yours. Here, take what's yours. And God says, no, 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 no. No, I want the tithe. You take 90% of what is mine, take 90%, keep it for yourself, and use it to bless your family and do my work in the world. That's it. See, giving, guys, is, a, is relational. It's not an amount, it's a relationship. See, most churchgoers, and I say this with tears in my eyes, most, most churchgoers really don't have a strong relationship with Jesus Christ. They don't know him real well. And so it's natural that we wouldn't trust someone we wouldn't give to someone we don't know because he may misuse it. He may not be looking out for us. So, I, I, Jesus, I don't really know you that well, so I'm holding back here. So giving is relational. Shouldn't make us weird at all. He's God. It's all his. I've wasted a lot of money in my time, so have you. I've never wasted a dime on tithing because it's God's. When I tithe, it's acknowledgement God owns everything, and he blesses that. The fourth thing is kind of a selfish thing, and it's great, because this is straight out of the word of God. It's to secure blessings and protection. Malachi 3, 8 through 12 says this, Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? It says, in tithes and offerings, you're under a curse, a whole nation, because of you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe in my storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful lamb. I love the way Dave Ramsey puts this in his, in his uh, Financial Peace University class, which is starting February 6th, by the way. Um, he, uh, he, he says he believes that Satan assigns every car a water pump demon. Okay, a water pump, and the water pump demon makes sure that when you are the furthest away from your house at night when it's cold, your water pump goes out. And, he, and so every car is assigned a water pump demon. You, all, you also may have a hot water heater demon, which struck my house, an air conditioner demon. Uh, you may have a, uh, a, a roof demon. Anybody had a roof demon strike their, their roof? Yeah, okay. And the way Dave Ramsey puts it is that when you tithe, what the, what the Bible says here is that God puts a hedge 
around that and keeps the water pump demon away. It says here that when you bring the full tithe in the storehouse, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. Remember, this was an agrarian society, and pests would destroy their crops, would destroy, they had no income. So guys, it, it was, it, and, it would, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit. That was another problem. If it fell and then it was, it was rotten and they couldn't sell it. So these two things God would do when you tithe, it protects your investments, protects your stuff. Now, I do not, I can't take this to the bank and everything. I will tell you this, that I've been, like I said, I've been a tither since I was 19 years old. And I can tell you without a doubt, my cars last longer than most people should. Most people's cars should. Air conditioners, heaters, things like that last longer. Like I said, I, I, it may be coincidence. I prefer to believe it's the word of God in action. But we still have the same dishwasher from 1988 in our house. I'm driving a 20-year-old car, still running, doing great. I'm telling you that in my life, I've seen this. That's all I can, I can personally testify. I've seen this, all right? So question number three, that's, that's why we give. That's why God wants us to give for those four things. Third, third thing is, does it count if I tithe to an organization other than my church? I get this a lot. I get this question a lot. It's a legitimate question because there are a lot of great things out there, a lot of great things to give, right? Deuteronomy 12, 6 says this, bring your burnt offerings and sacrifice, your tithes and special gifts, what you have vowed to give in your free will offerings, the firstborn of your herds and flocks. Now, the way this was explained to me, this was explained to me, okay? This is not clear in Scripture, but the way to explain to me is this. This is what my wife and I practice, okay? Is that there are two things. There's a tithe and a special gift. If you notice in Scripture, there's a tithe and a special gift, also called special offerings. They, they are separate. My wife and I, the way we do this is that the tithe goes directly to our church, that's the tithe belongs to the church. A special offering is above and beyond that, and that goes to parachurch things like our orphanage or compassion or world vision or things like that. Last year, Rachel and I gave, I, I will tell you, 14.9% of our income in tithe and special gifts. That's we just got our statement from the church, like a lot of you guys did. All right? We give roughly first 12% to the general fund. That's to the church, for the church to do whatever it needs to do. Then once that is done, our special gifts last year took the form of sponsoring one child through compassion, sponsoring four children through our orphanage in, in India, the Thanksgiving offering to, for the doors and for the plexiglass and everything like that, and other giving. So no, it does not count if you, if you give your tithe to an organization other than a church. That is what is known as a special offering. That's not a tithe. That's, that's what, what someone says, well, what if I, I don't trust my church enough to, to give, I don't want to tie to it. Well, then you need to leave that church and find one that you do trust, okay? Seriously, it's not an option. It's what the Bible commands us to do. The tithe belongs to God. It's not for us to direct. Those are special gifts. Special gifts are what we believe in, what we're passionate about. That's a special gift that's above and beyond the tithe, okay? Tithe goes directly to the church. Special gifts above and beyond that, not in place of it. And the fourth question, this is a really, really big one is that should a Christian tithe on net or gross income? Big one. Did Christian tithe on net or gross income? Well, uh, in 1 Samuel 8, 14 through 17, he gives a fascinating glimpse of this. All right? Israel wanted to be like the nations around it. They, they didn't have a king. They had kind of a libertarian paradise going, no mandates. <clears throat> and, uh, and so they looked around and they said, 
we want a king. We want to be like them and like them, like them, like them, like them. And so they go to Samuel, who is kind of the de facto leader, and they say, we want a king. And he warns them about the king. And check this out. This is what he says in part of that. Talking about the king, he will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants. Your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys will he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. Fascinating. See, we just hear that in, through an American ears. But if we were Israelis in that time and we heard this, we would recoil in horror because it says he's taking the best and he's taking the first tenth. See, in the nation of Israel, the Hebrew understanding of the tithe was this, and it's still relevant today. Whoever got the tithe, that's God. Whoever got the first tenth, that's who you proclaim to be God. And, the, and, and when Samuel said, listen, when you get a king, he's going to set himself up to get what is rightfully God's. He's going to proclaim himself as God. You will give him your tithe. That's what Samuel was saying. In other words, must have gone over like a lead blimp. Whoever or whoever gets your tithe, you all, that's who you proclaim to be God. Whoever gets your first, whoever it is, that's who you proclaim to be God. So my question is, American Christians, how is our system set up right now? Who gets our first? Uncle Sam, exactly. We have a system set up so that Uncle Sam gets our first, right? We don't even see our full paychecks. Uncle Sam takes it out before we even get it. Exactly what Samuel said the king would do. So if I tithe on net, you all, if I tithe on my net income, what am I saying? I'm acknowledging the government gets my tithe. The government gets my first. I am proclaiming without knowing it that the government is God. Because in the Bible, whoever got the tithe, whoever got the first, that was who you proclaimed to be God. So I will never, never tithe off net. I will always tithe off my gross income. Always. I did that when I was 19. I'm doing it now when I'm 47. And I will do that till the day I die because I will never proclaim anything or anyone to be God other than the God who saved me on the cross. That's my statement. It's a real, real big chance to put your money where your mouth is, Christians. I've chosen to do that. Nothing, not the government, not my mortgage, not a bill, nothing gets my tithe except Jesus who died on the cross for me. So here's what we do, guys. Those are the four big questions I get about giving. Here are some things that I, I, I've been a tither for basically my whole adult life. And here's some things that I just want to pass on to you that I've learned because, guys, I love giving. I love being a tither. I love it. It's my favorite thing in the world to do. It's my favorite thing to do with money. I love it. First thing is this, is that giving can't be haphazard. It can't be haphazard. All right, Malachi 1.8, back to the book of Malachi, he, he writes this to the nation of Israel. When you offer blind animals to sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. 
Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty. Giving can't just be a few bucks here and there, is what Malachi is saying. The modern-day equivalent of what Malachi is saying is this. Check this out. He's saying, try doing that with the IRS, y'all. Try, try throwing a few bucks at the IRS. Would that work? No. And if we show more honor to the IRS than we do to God, we have a major problem. Giving can't be haphazard. It must be planned. It must be scheduled. It must be thought through. It must be considered. See, my, my, my wife and I do the automatic giving. It's almost cheating because it's so easy to do. We have, our, we have it, it scheduled automatically out of our bank account every single month. One lump payment. We, we, we tithe once a month. Okay, like it's like a mortgage payment. It's like that we just schedule it. It's easy. We don't even think about it. Okay, but it was thought through and it was planned and it was considered that this is our tithe. This is that's what we do. Okay, uh, and that amount doesn't change with the week or the month. Okay, last year, one of the most financially challenging years I've ever had as a person. I had a, a, a back problem. I don't know if you guys remember that. I had, I had to get a shot in my back, and I had all that. That was very expensive. Um, we had a wedding to pay for. <sighs> Man, alive. Had a wedding to pay for. Um, uh, my, my son got injured in soccer and had medical bills to pay for and, and everything. It was an incredibly challenging, and we started paying private school tuition. Incredibly challenging financial year for us last year. We made adjustments at other places. We did not change the tithe. Why? Because the tithe belongs to God. It's not mine. It's not mine to do with as I please. We had more financial challenges last year than any year I've ever had. The one thing that didn't change was the tithe. So schedule it. Give it your attention. It cannot be haphazard. It must be thought through and prayed over. God, what does it look like for me to give you my best? What does my first look like? Okay? Second thing is this. Giving makes your church experience far better, far better. Matthew 6, 21, Jesus says this, for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. We all know this. Wherever you're invested, that's what you're into. It, it's amazing. When you start to tithe, you'll be amazed how much better the worship service is. It's amazing how much better the worship team sounds. It's amazing. You'll be amazed how much more the sermon applies to your life. You'll, you'll listen with new ears. You'll, you'll involve yourself in the service more because you are bought in. Okay, I'm telling you. Um, how many of you all have ever felt like, well, my heart just wasn't in that? Well, there's a, probably a really good reason because Jesus says where your money is, there your heart is also. Okay, your church experience will be far greater. You will, you will sense the presence of the Holy Spirit so much more. You will speak, feel God speaking directly to you because your heart is here. It, you're not some disinterested observer listening and, and, and punching your time clock. You are actually invested and your heart is here. I'm telling you, it makes your church experience far better. The third thing is this, is that giving is worship. It is worship. It's not a break from worship. It is worship. Genesis 4, 3 through 5. This is the first worship service ever recorded in the history of humanity. In the course of time, Cain, who was a second generation of humans, brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry. His face was downcast. 
Okay, it is, giving is worship. If you and I were to time warp back to the Old Testament times, they would think this type of worship service is very strange because they didn't do preaching. They didn't do singing as much. They, 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 did not, um, they, they didn't do what we're doing. And they would think that the attitude of people coming to church to be filled, oh man, I'm just really empty. And I, man, I just need to go to church to be filled up. They would think that's psychotic. They would look at us and say, you're, you're, you're what? You're going to church to be filled? Uh, we go to church for the opposite. We, we, we come to the Lord full of, of sin and, 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 man, full of burdens and full of anxieties and full of depression. And, 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 man, we just give it. We lay it all down. We, we come to church full. And, man, we give and we leave feeling free. And what is wrong with you Americans? Man, this is crazy. And this is because the biggest part of their worship was giving. That's what you went to worship to do. You didn't, you didn't go to worship to hear a sermon. You may, you may hear a sermon, but man, we're, we're here to give. If you don't give, you're not even worshiping. That's what they would say. So you guys, giving is the oldest form of worship. It's the best form of worship because, guys, quite honestly, it doesn't cost me anything to sing a song. I can do that in a good day, bad day. I can do that without it really affecting me. But, guys, to give, that's really costing me something. That really shows where my heart is. If you truly want to worship, you have to start looking at giving as worship. And that's part of, part of the service where we give, that may be the greatest worship that actually happens. Like I said, anyone can sing a song. Doesn't cost you anything. Talk is cheap. Giving is worship. The fourth thing is this, and I say this with sadness, that giving is the largest area of disobedience in the church today. It really is. Um, About 6% of people who call themselves Christians actually tithe. Did you know that? Only about 6%. So if, if there were 150 people in here, um, we'd say about nine of us actually tithe. That's, that's, if, if, if we were like the normal church, about nine of us, nine family units actually tithe, the rest don't. 94% of, of Christians don't tithe. The actual Christian, the average Christian gives about between two and two percent, two and two and a half percent of their income uh, to, to their church which actually makes us more faithful to the teachings of Muhammad than Jesus. Because Muhammad said, give 2.5% of your, uh, of your income to the poor. So we're actually better Muslims than Christians, a lot of us. Think about that. But if there were 94% of people in here that were murdering, we'd have a major problem. We had 94% of people in here committing adultery. That'd be a major problem. If we had 94% of the people that were cheating and stealing and, and everything, we'd have a major problem, wouldn't we? But when we have 94% of people not tithing, we just say, oh, okay, that's fine. It's the largest area of disobedience in the church today. And um, it's something that we should really consider. That, that this is the, the largest, uh, largest, largest area that, that we need to consider. Maybe the largest blind spot in our lives of, 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 what we're, of putting God first. But the fifth thing is this, is that giving should be joyful, guys. I love to give. I love, 
I, I, don't, I don't like really spending on myself. I really don't. I, I've seen the quest for accumulation of things. I've seen it. You can have it. Um, I, I've, I've seen people just run after things and collect things. And just, all they do is collect dust. Uh, things you buy now just wind up in a yard sale, worthless. Um, I've, I've seen so much of that, you guys, in the sick culture that we live in. This quest for more and better and greater leaves us so empty. But guys, giving is the most fun thing you'll ever do with money. It is the most fun. It's the most joyful thing. It is the, mo- it is the greatest thing. Look at what, what uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver, someone who is not so holding on to their stuff that no one else can have it. No. Christian freely gives because we've been freely given by God, and we freely give. And guys, a tithe basically releases that stranglehold that money has on you. So when my first tenth goes to God, it completely rearranges how you deal with the other 90%. Seriously. It is so joyful. It is so freeing not being owned by your things. It's so wonderful not being owned by your paycheck, not living paycheck, paycheck, but having everything available to those in need. If God says, I want you to do this, go do it. That's what joy, that's why giving is so joyful. I want you to think, as I invite the band to come on back up, I want you to think about somebody in your life who's generous, who's generous. Uh, just somebody. Maybe it's you. Maybe you are. We've got a lot of generous people in this church. Um, who's generous? Maybe a mom, a grandma, a dad, maybe somebody. Uh, I, I, and then, then I want you to think about that person. Everybody got that person in your mind? Got the person in your mind? Okay. Um, second, I want you to think about somebody who's greedy. Everybody got that? Probably people um, know that person a lot more. But it's all about themselves. All right? Got a person who's generous, person who's greedy. Got it? You guys got it? Simple question, who's happier? The person that's all about themselves, keeps everything for themselves? Is that the person that's happier? Don't give me that. We all know who's happier, a generous person, right? Because the Bible says he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So the quickest way to joy, you all, is to become generous. That's what God wants for all of his people, he wants you to be joyful. He wants you to be, uh, he wants you to be happy. He wants you to be, embrace this amazing thing called generosity because it fulfills us, and that's what we're designed to do. And when we are generous, we are so much like our Heavenly Father who gives and gives and gives and gives. Show of hands. Who here has been blessed by God? Amen. Amen. God is a giver. And he wants his people to be givers too because that is the best way. I'm gonna invite you to stand up and let's give some amazing worship to this awesome God who's given us far more than we can ever give him.